Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast, where we're continuing this week's discussion around athletic development. And today we're talking about movement complexity and whether you should be using it as something, as a way to progress your workouts. Often people get this wrong and it can really stifle your progress. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image. Greetings. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Rad is at the table with me, Yanni Bormeister, and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unified Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our epic foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, remember guys, you get a uh, link in the description for your first month free. Make use of it. Now, before we get started, warm welcome to everyone on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Leave a comment and we'll send you some love back. Remember, anyone can join and interact on that group. Lastly, shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. Okay, joining us today is none other than Phil White from ADPT Physio. Uh, All-round legend, smart guy, and the second sexiest man in the room after Richie. How are you, Phil? I'm good. It's just something I'll never be able to chase that... uh that Richie Chan, but you'll never see him because he's behind the, he's behind the camera, <laughs> he's behind the mix <laughs> with his pants off, you know. <laughs> uh, now, now, all right, but yeah, I'm well. Uh, this is a like it's it's a such a great discussion for, you know, kicking goals in development. But this topic is also so key for rehab, and um, so you know, anything that is on the physio side of things, I always get a bit excited. So yeah, good good discussion, good chat, and I'm uh, ready to go. Ready to rock and roll. How are you, Rad? Yeah, I'm great. Yep. yep. Yeah, I'm having a you know, good morning, good day. Everything's good. Crushing goals, making money with crypto, you know, what else? <laughs> apparently. Yanni is so obsessed. Uh, uh, <laughs> apparently this is gonna become a crypto show soon. Yeah, you know, yeah, watch out, it, yeah. watch out. People are already asking questions. All right, guys. Let us know if you're on the stream in the comments. Smash that like button. I can see uh, I think it's Joe is is already sending us love. And uh, again, you know, remember, if you aren't a member of the UMS Movement Mastermind, what are you doing? Get over there and interact. You can see what Phil's wearing. Get amongst it. Yeah. yeah. Mystery. <laughs> uh, all right. So we've been ripping into athletic development. Yesterday, we had a great physio special with Nalesh on the show, keeping it on point. Uh, but we kicked off the week uh, talking about functional movement patterns and uh, whether they're useful or useless, where to use them, how to use them. Today is kind of building on that a little bit. We're going to be talking about uh, a movement complexity and movement complexity, just, you know, to, to make it real simple for everybody, think of movement complexity as a movement or exercise that requires a high level of coordination. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about what uh, our idea of functional movement patterns are uh, on Monday, and uh, and we keep um, we we have a series of fundamental movements that we call our fundamental movement patterns, and they are quite literally what we use in our assessments in our testing week. 
things like the barbell back squat, the barbell bench press, the uh, standing overhead press, uh, chin-ups. we got bent over rows. We have a single leg step-up split squat. All these great movements. And we have a bunch of auxiliary movements or supporting supplementary movements, um, uh, external rotation for the rotator calf and, and trap three raise and things like that. Uh, we use those fundamental movement patterns as a guide to, to direct our programming methodology and to assess people's uh, uh, structural balance. And we consider that they're all functional movements because they have a very high carryover to athletic performance. Uh, if you get good at bench press, then you're going to be good at uh, throwing a punch or throwing a shot put or pushing someone away if you're a, a linebacker in NFL. If you get good at squatting, then you're going to be great at, uh, you know, it's going to carry over to jumping and sprinting and things like that. So, so that's what we consider functional. But the industry uh, somewhat uh, deviated from that uh, a decade ago or a little bit more. And functional meant balancing on a Swiss ball doing a squat or jumping around swinging a hurricane ball or a club bell or, you know, and, and, and we started to um, come up with theories that if we tried to, mi if we could mimic an athletic movement, a sporting movement, like a swing of a golf club or a swing of a tennis racket, in the gym under load therefore that should carry over to swinging the tennis racket or golf club and uh, unfortunately there was just not a lot of science that supported that and we seem to have regained our path in the industry now i, I would say it's uh, it became a little bit um uh it, it just got a little bit silly and uh and 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 you know strength coaches have steered it back in the right direction i think uh, but there is still a very very big movement for movement complexity and you still see very very popular fitspo instagram um, uh, personalities doing these really complex sort of uh, almost like um, you know they're uh, like I, I was going to say aerobics uh, with weights yep. you know uh, and uh, and and we have quite strong um, um, opinions of this uh, and and uh, and beliefs and that's what we're going to talk about today that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got some great discussion going on over here in the, uh, in the comments section. Blakely's saying, uh, uh, loving the new showtime. That's yeah. good. Yeah, how good is it? Yeah. What yes. time is it for you uh, over there in the United States, brother? What, what's your current local time, Blakely? Anyone that was that that wasn't a yep. <laughs> that was it. that's all I had to say. I thought you were going somewhere with that. Oh, that was uh, it. <laughs> we're we're going to send some love to Craig Jenkins, Aiden Potts, uh, Kumaran, uh, tuning in from Melbourne. Uh, he used to be a member of the gym here at Unity and moved uh, interstate. We got uh, um, Blakely, of course, one of our moderators and admins from the group. Uh, all of these guys are um, online coaching tribe members. So. That's awesome. Um, and uh, it's going to be a really great discussion. And uh, that's what um, Aiden's saying here. He's j straight off the bat said, happy I hopped on live for this one. What's your thoughts on pistol squats being a functional movement? Which is a really great question. Uh, this is something that, uh, this is a movement that we actually use in, uh, in our training. And, uh, and it's a really great place to start because this is, um, you know, giving an example of one of the things that we want to talk about here is that, the, the higher you go on the movement complexity spectrum, the harder it is to progress. And we want to have a, a North Star on today's discussion, which is that we're going to assume, and if, and if, and if uh, you don't know this already, you're going to learn this. One of the single most important 
factors or principles in strength and conditioning is the principle of progressive overload, meaning that you can take your athlete or your individual, your client or your, um, your patient, and you can progress them in strength, in endurance, in coordination, uh, all of those things, in flexibility, uh, over a period of time to make sure that they get better at what they're doing. And the more you introduce complexity and the faster you introduce complexity, the harder it becomes to progress. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Phil? Yeah, so if you basically think about, um, you know, the continuum of uh, complexity, if you think about the different variables that we can change, so we've got um, obviously the amount of intensity of the movement, so the actual weight you're lifting, um, be that an external weight or just leverage with your with your body weight, and then you've got uh, you've got the speed of contraction. So if you're doing a slow eccentric, if you're doing a fast eccentric or concentric, then that's going to come into complexity. Um, if you then you've got your your range of motion as well. Um, so you know how deep into the uh, movement you're going, and then you've got number of joints involved is a, is a big one here. So if you kind of think about something like a, you know, calf raise where you're going up on a calf and then you're sort of bending down into a bit of dorsiflexion, that's just a single joint movement, especially if you're doing it on two legs, nice and easy, you're just going up and down. Um, that's not gonna be a very complex movement because it's basically just going um, a single sort of joint system. Now, if you start to bring your knees into it and you're going down into a bit of a, a squat with your, you know, where you're bending at your ankles and bending at your knees, um, that's gonna add, you know, more joints, more complexity, uh, down into a, like a full squat where you've got your hips, your knees, your ankles all doing, um, you know, movements to, uh, Produce a, produce a squat. And then you start thinking about what you're doing in your upper body. Um, so whether or not you're you know, doing a sort of simple goblet squat or um, high bar or low bar or front squat. Um, and then, you know, if you add in like an overhead squat where you've got now your arms are doing something and you're having to like think about contracting your upper body and holding stability up through there while doing a squatting motion. Um, and then adding something like a um, uh, Olympic lifting movement, so going into a, a clean and then maybe a clean and jerk. You can see how each of those movements has now started to bring in more and more elements of um, different joint systems, uh, timing and, and coordination. Now, if you start to think about what Aiden said about um, adding going into a unilateral movement where you've just got uh, one limb going at a time. Now you've got this big balance component as well where you're starting to not only, your ankles are now not only doing, you know, um, basic sort of dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, you've also got uh, the stabilizing muscles of your ankle stopping sort of um, side movement, the muscles at your hip working to keep your knee aligned and also to keep your pelvis in a sort of straight line. So your, um, you know, that your, your lumbar spine has, um, you know, the best ch sort of chance at balance. So you can see how, as you kind of progress through each of those movements, what are all kind of, you know, it starts as like quite a simple little calf raise, but then uh, can turn into like an endlessly complex uh, yep. thing. And, and then you can add even like external things like um, doing, you know, a pistol squat and a bursary ball or a slack line or something like that. And you've got these external factors. This is so. where I want to go because there is a point of diminishing return. And this is what Rad spoke about, yes, not yesterday on Monday where, you know, whatever movement you're doing, you, you, you've got a neurological demand, which is the body, you, you, the brain and the, um, and the neurons and the muscle motor units firing up to activate, uh, create an action potential, which then contracts muscles and, and, and you get all that sequencing right and all that sort of thing. So the more 
complex you make the movement, the more the, the thinner the muscle motor units and the nervous system is spread between the muscles that are creating and the movement and stabilizing the body. And there is a point of diminishing return where you get to a point where it, you, you, the, the return you're getting, the, the yield you're getting on the level of complexity of the movement drops right off. And, and this is where people go a little bit wrong, you know? And, and the point of diminishing return changes based on the individual, you know, based on your skill level. You know, there's another big variable that you can manipulate in overload, which is open and closed chain movement patterns. So to give you an example of that, a leg press is far less complex for the body than a squat, a barbell back squat. You're using all the same muscles, but one of them requires balance and the other one doesn't. And therefore, the the muscle motor units are spread m more thinly in the in the barbell back squat, uh, whereas in the in the leg press, you're able to really channel that energy just into the legs. Your body doesn't have to worry about staying upright anymore because you're lying down in that leg press or sitting in that leg press, and so that's a really good example. And 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 where where what I want to cover really quickly here is that a lot of people get really really um, uh, crappy results when they're trying to practice calisthenics because they focus too much on calisthenics. And calisthenics is one of those things where there's diminishing returns if you're not really good at it, because you can't bank the amount of volume and you can't bank the amount of intensity that you need to get the result you want. And therefore, a lot of people get would get better results if they were to regress or go back to developing strength on a more simple, less complex movement. Because when you go to a closed chain movement where you're controlling your body weight, it requires, it's, it's a very, very demanding on the body's stability systems and things like that, you know? So why don't you sort of share a little bit on uh, what, what you were talking about the other day with um, uh, muscle motor units and also how that carries over to something like calisthenics, like doing a, a um, uh, I mean, even, even the example that Aiden's used there, doing a pistol squat as opposed to a, um, uh, an obvious one is like a leg a leg extension or a, or a single leg press or something like that, you know, to the two very, very different r rates of return. And if you try to do a pistol squat too early when you're not really, really strong, uh, you're going to end up not getting as good a result as if you were to do something a little bit more simple, right? Yeah. Well, well I think the pistol squat is an excellent exercise. I, I'm currently doing them five sets um, a day, three days a week in my programming. But I'm very capable of doing pistol squats. I've done a lot of other stuff to be able to come to a point where I'm, I'm capable of doing pistol squats. And it goes, it goes down to this uh, question about the goblet, um, the goblet Cossack squat that we had in our UMS online coaching recently. And, you know, Biwa ended up um, posting a video of herself doing them because I haven't filmed a tutorial for it yet. And someone was saying how amazing her technique was and then she went, and why is it like that? And she went into saying how the decades of training she's done. Well, you know, I've done a lot of training in a, in a lot of other things that got me to a point where when I tried a pistol squat, it was something that was doable for me. It was something that I could get positive returns on because I can do a full rep, uh, a full range rep. Um, you know, I can do, I can get enough volume on it that it, that it creates a, um, you know, a good adaptation response for me. And I've been able to, over a couple of mesocycles, see massive increases in strength and, and capability from it. So for, it's a complex movement, but for me, it's a smart choice of a complex movement. Yep. For other people, it's a really, really poor choice because when you look at some people, they're, um, 
they they don't have the ankle flexibility even close to what's required for a pistol squat so they can barely do a decent pistol squat and so then people say um, well what should I do with a pistol squat how can I modify it and the answer is well you do a reduced range pistol squat so you do like a box pistol squat but then you start thinking well is that really a good use of your time like are you are you going to get much out of doing a a box pistol squat than then if you were doing a heel elevated squat. or a split yeah a split you know. squat like a front foot elevated split squat i would i would choose um split squat progressions front foot elevated then flat foot then rear foot elevated split squats any day over a pistol squat to increase ankle range of motion like i would i, would, I don't think or just it. overall strength and, yeah. this, and this is where people get it really wrong and yeah. i see this a lot and i was a victim of it when i was a young personal trainer over a decade or two ago almost two decades ago, uh, that, you know, you see a cool exercise like a pistol squat and you think, geez, I'm going to use that in my programming, but no one can do it. So you end up trying to regress it by making the pistol squat easier as opposed to just building strength in uh, more, less complex movement patterns and giving it to the person when they're ready for it. Yeah, the strength and the, and the range, like you can really load up a, you know, a split squat or a um, yeah, single leg single step legs. up or yeah. a single leg squat or, a, you know, like all of these. And that's, uh, sorry, yeah. go on, Phil. Well, yeah, I was just basically saying like, you know, with, with Rad being able to do like sets of, you know, five pistol squats, for example, like, and, and ten, to, or, ten, you know, at least. If someone, someone kind of can't hit like a set of five and, uh, and that have like, t and get to a level where there's like an adequate intensity, um, you're not going to bank enough volume within that movement to then get a positive strength response. Like you need to be hitting um, a certain amount. We talked about this before with calisthenics. Like, you know, if you can only do, uh, you know, one set of something, then you then work on back down sets to build up that total volume. But yeah, it does become one of those sort of like people can get so lost in the, like wanting to do the cool thing that they don't do the practical thing. Yeah. And <laughs> you like, I think people really, really misunderstand the purpose of training. Like, it, it even goes back to the training versus competition thing. Like if you want to test yourself and see if you can do pistol squats, do it. But if you find that you can't do good pistol squats and you can't or do... Or you can only do two or three. Yeah, exactly. With good form. Exactly. Yeah. Or you, you, you can't do that many. Then, then do it to test yourself. And then when you realize, oh, this is not a good exercise selection for me yet because I can barely do one set of three and they're bad technique. Like the workout has to be programmed for what your body needs to get enough volume of a movement with quality because quality is what produces results. It's this old saying of um, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. And that's, that's really true, I really believe that. And I got that wrong for years and I've seen many, many people get it wrong. And when you're talking movement complexity, then it is so easy to choose a movement that's too complex for you, for you to be able to do any quality at all. And you just end up, you know, doing a workout that it might, it, uh, it might entertain you and it might make you feel like, oh wow, cool, I did that and I didn't fall over. And, you know, I'm high-fiving because I did something that I've never done before. But if you, if, you, if you choose to program that and do it twice a week for six weeks, it, it's probably gonna do very little to actually increase your ability and capability. The, and the last, sorry, the last variable that we need to talk about, which is really important is the risk versus reward variable yeah which is that, yeah. that, that and which increases exponentially with complexity you know and so you you have to weigh up what result you get what reward you get versus the risk that you're exposing your body to and for someone who's untrained who can't do 10 good quality pistol squats doing three is going to be risky yeah like you, you there are 
you're putting a lot of stress on on the knee and a lot of stress on the body and there's a lot that can go wrong if you get it right if you get it wrong you know uh and so the that's something that i think you know people should be taking into consideration now that's not to say that it's not a good exercise and and i hope we haven't made you guys think that we're saying that pistol squats are a bad exercise because they're a bloody good exercise if used at the right time with the right person yeah and that's exactly spot on for what i want to talk about with um where i'm really seeing this complexity thing being an issue for uh, my partner has just moved down to um, a, a city, just well, a town, uh, a couple of hours south of Sydney for, for work. And I'll be going kind of back and forth between there over this next um, year or two. But basically she started training at uh, a new gym and it looked like a really, you know, fun gym, good vibe, positive, whatever. But like they have got to like straight into doing Olympic lifting. And like <laughs> she, my, yeah, my partner is, you know, a really keen being like kind of does triathlons sort of sports a bit of volleyball and like you know goes to the gym fairly regularly but has like no intrinsic interest in like she does she's not obsessed with like techniquey kind of things and doesn't really like engage in like she just kind of does whatever she's told and you know wants to just feel like she's done some work at the end and they've got it straight into doing like snatches and clean and jerks and stuff and i'm like oh what? Yeah. and she's <laughs> and she a, like, she's a doctor too so she's a smart she's a bloody yeah, smart but it, woman but it's just like one of these like you know it's so technique heavy that no matter like if you're just getting someone straight into doing like even like sh like they're doing some that are off blocks and whatever but like she's coming out and i was like oh so how did you feel doing she's like oh i have no idea what i'm doing but you know i'm giving it a crack and oh, like no. you know that's might be fine a lot of the time but if like if you start to like when you've got those variables of like coordination and speed involved that's where the risk reward ratio becomes really like challenging because when like i use um strength training and powerlifting style movements specifically because it's all about learning how to basically like you know lift in a really and like put plenty of load through your system but in a really like safe and controlled way and um yeah when you start going into like olympic lifting i think olympic lifting is you know some of the most impressive great lifting that people can do and for the right people you know it, it will have a really positive effect on your body and your performance but for someone who has no idea what they're doing and is not really that interested in like uh you know doing the deep dive of technique like just jumping in there and doing that as like your kind of regular fitness thing just seems wild to well, me because it's well just so used, much potential for yeah yeah for we, we used to do we have people every now and then come in and ask us do you guys do olympic weightlifting and we used to we did it for a little while we actually went quite into it for a while there was a period of time where yanni richard and myself and we had another trainer here at the time was when casey was here yep. and we were doing olympic weightlifting twice a week uh yanni had done yanni had done a few um olympic weightlifting certifications with the australian strength and conditioning association yep. was it we did a couple of um sessions with uh a champion olympic weightlifter not a gold medalist or anything like that but somebody who had won some uh, notable titles who was very very good at it and we you know we learned how technique we understood how to do it we worked on it ourselves and then we started teaching it to our students and what we found over about a six month period of doing it was that it broke so many people a lot not just physically but ego because we ended there was there was a couple of people that we ended up having looking at them and just going man you are going to snap yourself if you do this like you have nowhere near the required level of flexibility and have the coordination and and people got really pissed off when you told them that when you said to them listen you you really need to just be focusing on a deadlift learn the right bar path learn a front squat learn how to how to get these lifts properly and they're like well, well that's crap I, you know this guy's doing it i'm doing it and we ended up it got to a point where there was only one person in our gym that was actually capable of really doing it it was adrian yeah. and he had the strength 
the flexibility, yeah. the patience, the dedication, as we say, he'd earned the right to do it. Um, and it got to a point where we just looked at it and went, man, th this is just not a good yeah, option and for and the average people. Yeah, and that's where like this complexity and like when you've got coordination and speed as the variables that you've like, you know, you've got to deal with in this exercise, like people get frustrated because then they're like, if it, as a coach or, you know, a, a physio or whatever, you're telling people like, okay, like, if you're going to do this movement, then you need to like really deload the other variables, like you know either reduce range or reduce intensity, to be able to practice a skill. Uh, but then they're like, well, I'm not feeling like I've done a workout by the end of it because I've just spent the whole time like throwing around a 20 kilo bar. And so then suddenly you've got, you run into this issue. It's like, okay, well either you have to like commit yourself to like doing this as your sport and getting yeah. really serious about it because it's like <laughs> it takes so much time yeah. and, and effort and intention to get good at the skill to then be able to like to work on those other variables. But for people who are just you know, wanting to use it as a tool, going too deep in complexity is just going to shoot yourself the, in the, the foot. The thing yeah. is, though, with with uh, Olympic lifting, and this is what frustrated the crap out of me, and, and one of the coaches that taught me Olympic weightlifting said something very profound that I really overlooked at the time and then went back to later, which is that lifts find the individual. The individual never finds the lift. And what he meant by that was that uh, essentially, y you have to earn the right to be able to do that lift, and as a result, it tends to it, uh, it tends to be a process of um, where the lift sort of discovers your ability, and 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 over a period, a long period of time, you end up becoming qualified to be able to perform that lift. But very rarely, and he said, very rarely does an does an athlete practice the lift first. They break it down and, and the amount of squats and deadlifts that they bank and the amount of co complex drills where they're literally just doing up shrugs, thousands of up shrugs to condition the neck and the shoulders, thousands of um, hangs, um, catches where they're literally flicking the bar up and catching it over the head with only a barbell, you know, or even a dowel rod where they're just reinforcing those movement patterns. You don't see all of that. You know, you just see the end result. Yeah. And no one's willing to put that amount of work in to be able to prepare themselves for it. They just want to go to a class and start put put 40 kilos on a bar and start doing snatches. It's ridiculous. Well, we shouldn't, we shouldn't say no one, but we should say average Joe. Average Joe is not willing to do the work and they see it as something that they saw in the CrossFit Games or it's the, it's the thing at the new gym that made them go, well, I want to go there, I want to learn that, but they're not... They don't, they don't realize what goes into that. And like Kumaran said something here that's uh, really, really good, a good comment. He said, funnily enough, the gym, I, Kumaran's an ex-member of Unity Gym and he moved to Melbourne um, and he still does the UMS online coaching now. And he said, funnily enough, the gym I train at here now has an Olympic weightlifting class. But from my quick chat with the trainers here, it's exactly like Phil said, very, very technique heavy. Lots of work with just dowel rods before you touch the bar. Um, and that, it, without knowing anything about that gym, it sounds like they're getting it right. It sounds like they're getting people to do it the right way. Now, is that what you want for your gym experience? Do you wanna to go to a gym and spend an hour there where you get to the end and you haven't got a sweat on, you haven't really lifted much weight for possibly several months where you're just working on technique? just so that you can literally do Olympic weightlifting and that's what you're going to get out of it. And if you do, go for it, great. But we, you know, it's not it's not what, what we uh, wanted to do with our members well, here. Well, the, the problem was that most people are impatient and yeah. when they come to a gym in the demographic that we're training, they're, they're trying to get to where they want to go impatiently. They're in a mm. rush and you cannot combine Olympic weightlifting with someone who's in a rush, mm. you know, because it's just an, a recipe for disaster. And that's the same with most complex movement patterns. And that's 
why I had problems with uh, the original explosion of CrossFit because that's what they did. They they combined co like absolute movement complexity with rush style workouts, wads that were meant designed to be done in as minimal time as possible, and uh, and it's just not a very it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's not the, a good idea. I mean, putting putting Olympic weightlifting movements like a clean and jerk or a snatch or a version of it like a power clean or whatever um, in like an AMRAP workout, meaning as many rounds as possible. Like when you speak to a strength and conditioning coach, or even if you speak to somebody like Phil, and you, you understand how bad that is for the body because you're doing a movement that has so much neural requirements to be able to deliver properly, such high risk if you do it incorrectly, and you're intentionally doing it in a way where you're fatiguing yourself as much as possible before you get around to then do high reps. And those movements are, I don't, think I've ever seen a really good Olympic weightlifter or a good Olympic weightlifting coach prescribe high volume of Olympic weightlifting. Have you guys ever seen Well, that? not paired with intensity. Like, yeah. And not paired no. with like fatigue as a, as a variable that you're shortening. No. Like, yeah. Now, now uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, it, you're absolutely right. But CrossFit did it as a competition yeah. to test people. And that's how it started. And that's okay. You know, it's kind of like um, uh, tackle footy or NFL. You know, no one goes to the gym and just gets tackled over and over and over again until they can't walk anymore. But that's kind of what CrossFit tried to do in a gym. You know, <laughs> they yeah. tried to get you to do the hardest thing possible every single day because yeah, it was really yeah. impressive and fun. And we all learned really quickly after a couple of years that it was just a terrible thing to do. And they changed that. And they, they, they all went back to more traditional strength and conditioning. A lot of them even had to rebrand away from CrossFit because it got such a bad stigma of, of hurting people, you know. Yeah. Sorry, I can't and I think I think to because we're going to have to wrap up soon and jump on the online coaching call. But I think to kind of answer the question of should you uh, progress movement complexity, I think the answer is like it totally depends on your goals and what you're passionate about, what you're really interested in. And I think the trap that people fall into is wanting to basically progress movement complexity at the detriment of like the the other variables that you could be working on. So what I mean by that is like if you sort of haven't got the basics and you haven't developed strength. Um, and control in a simple movement and you want to then go do the funky looking thing without having already ticked the box of um, you know the the more simple version of the movement then you should definitely not be progressing complexity but if you've got to like an adequate level of strength and you've got to like a level of control where you then want to um, you know progress it and that fits in with your overall goal about what you want to be doing then that's the time to do it and that's why I love the you know the UMS and the like the progressions program is that's exactly what it's about yeah. it's starting off there's always a regression a simple version of the movement that you can be doing um, and then as you sort of you know tick off competencies you can always be moving forward to a you know potentially more uh complex movement but that doesn't mean you have to keep going up in complexity if your goal is purely around like moving the most strength maybe you get to um you know you get to a squat variation and instead of going into funky one-legged stuff and you're more focused on powerlifting then you just focus on getting that like you know that less complex movement and just keep working the other variables of, of you know intensity and yeah, uh, wait. That's Let's right. Do, so. And look, t this is a really important discussion and we're not ending it here. We're ending the show, but we're going to continue it on tomorrow by really going deep into the role a strength coach uh, plays in how to increase that load capacity, strength and flexibility. And we're going to be really talking about at what point 
do you hit that diminishing rate of return with movement complexity? You know, who should continue progressing and, and, and really who's going to benefit from that and who isn't, you know, yeah. because that's really, really important. Once you get to being able to do double body weight back squats and triple body weight deadlifts, is it really necessary to move to a clean and jerk? Yeah. Or is it, you know, are you going to benefit much from that? And who is um, um, uh, really... Uh, the type of person that should be doing that and and who shouldn't. So we'll continue this discussion tomorrow, but for now we do have to jump off and get on to our daily group coaching call with our um, UMS online coaching tribe. So anyone who's in that group, jump over to the uh, UMS um, online coaching Facebook group and we'll have the stream up and running uh, in a minute or two. For everyone else, we will continue this discussion tomorrow because it's a very, very important one. And uh, another uh, big thank you to everyone who joined us live in the Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Um, and much love sent to everyone on the podcast. Please, 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 if you like what you hear, give us a five-star review. Uh, send Richie some love. someone that you think would benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who's uh, trying to still do um, squats on a, bo uh, a BOSU ball. <laughs> See you guys. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcut to mastery in movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.